my dear guests, I am Mr. Rabbit, your host. Welcome to Fantasy Podcast. So first, I should start out with an addendum to Podcast 13. When I said you shouldn't update your laptop drivers ever, I meant that you shouldn't update your laptop drivers with desktop drivers. In recent times, NVIDIA and AMD have been striving towards making generic um, graphics card drivers, which would work both as desktop drivers and laptop drivers. So that's why I'm like, you know, I tried to update mine. But historically what laptop people have done is they've made tweaked versions of the drivers and if you tried to use the desktop version at all it would fail miserably so you're supposed to wait for the the laptop manufacturer version of the drivers in recent times though they've been getting worse and worse about doing that and it, in my case my my drivers that I had to roll back to were from 2009 which doesn't even make sense because the graphics card chip that's in the computer, it, I don't even think it existed, you know, two years ago, let alone this model of laptop. I mean, this model of laptop is only like a year old, assuming there's internal changes as well as external changes. So when I said that, you know, you're supposed to wait for the laptop manufacturer version, but typically, you know, with a desktop, you can you can update pretty much any time there's a new driver. However, I do recommend that you hang back a version or two in some cases, especially with graphics cards, which tend to get updated fairly frequently, uh, NVIDIA more so than, than AMD. But typically, if you're not having any issues, there's no real urgency to keep the most recent version. You might want to keep one or two versions behind just in case, because if things are working, and you change, there's a chance you're going to introduce some some compatibility issues, and what was working may not be working anymore with the new drivers. Sometimes they they go kind of backwards like that. So I recommend if you're if you're doing okay that you not change them right away, and you know watch out for the the notes in the, the driver changes. If they say it, it it helps game X, and you're playing game X, then you know absolutely go ahead and try them out and see if you're performance increases it probably won't increase a huge amount but you know sometimes it does and it's uh it's cool but yeah so that's my that's my addendum for that so as i finished my portal 2 game and i got into a different game and i'm not so into some other games i was thinking more and more lately about what games in general uh are good games to me and what are maybe some signs that make a game good for you or me or whoever whoever we're talking about. These points are kind of in no particular order and they apply to both uh, pen and paper role playing as well as video game playing. The first big sign I think that a game is good for you know somebody who's playing is that they're thinking about the game and they're thinking about future or past sessions even when they're not in the game. They remember 
good times or they think about maybe you know what their character wants to do or an adventure their character had or looking forward to uh, an upcoming adventure that they know they're going to have in the future you know if you're if you're thinking about it if you're writing backstories for your character if you're you know with a, a collectible card game maybe you're you're messing around with your deck and you're you're looking up some expansions information you know these are all good signs that you're having a good time with that game and it's it's really important to recognize when you do that because in games that I'm playing now with with some of my computer games I'm just not feeling it and I'm I'm thinking back to times when I played pen and paper games or when I played other video games and I would think about these things I would think about the character I would think about the world and it's like you know I'm just not feeling it in some of these games and I think that's really important to recognize because that's when that's sort of an early warning sign I think if you're playing a game and you're just not really into it you're not you don't really think about stuff outside of when you're playing I think that could be an early warning sign that you're not enjoying it as much as you enjoy other games. I'm not saying, you know, drop it immediately because it's poop, but, you know, it's it's like with my current online game, I'm sort of like that. It's like I'm just not, not really into it outside of when I'm playing. It's like I play and I have fun and I have a good time when I'm there, but I'm not really thinking about it outside of it. And it's like I've got this lower level character that I'm bringing up through the levels but I'm not really looking forward to anything new or different because I know the experience is going to be the exact same as my first character and that to me is a sign that it's not a great game I mean it's not really a flaw with the game because pretty much all current mogs are like this and you future people might see something differently hopefully we'll, we'll see it change but it's like I know what's coming so it's not terribly interesting to bring up another character to me. I mean, it's, it's it's fun. It's a different class and all that. But it's like I'm not really looking forward to it. It's like I'm not, you know, waited on, waiting on bated breath, as it were, to jump right in and go, ooh, I can't wait to see what happens to me next because it will be different from the first time. No, not the case. It's going to be the exact same. So I'm just, I'm just not fantasizing about it, I guess you could say. Um... And I think that's that's one thing that's that could be why I'm just not into it as I have been into other MMOGs or other single player games. It's like with other games I did think about it. And it's like with Portal Two, even though I just finished it, there have been times where I've been thinking about it and I'll just think back on different puzzles and how, how they were cool and, and how I'm like, ooh, I wonder if I could solve this faster or I wonder if I could solve this differently and it's like you know I, I, th I think about it a little bit and I, I've started playing through it again I'll probably play my other games because I have three other games that I haven't finished so ooh, you know that's a fun um but again one of them is like I played through the first one and the second one this is the second one so it should be really awesome and I should be really really into it but I'm just kind of not I mean, the story is incredible. The video footage, it's not actual video, video footage, you know, it's in-game footage, but it's sort of very cinematic. It tells an awesome and wonderful story, but it's like, I don't know if I'm all that into it because, I don't know, the, ga the gameplay is different than the first one, and so it's like, there's differences, and it's, 
I don't know, it's just not drawing me in. I, I still don't quite know exactly what's different about it. But like like I mentioned, you know, I, I'm not thinking about my character outside of the game. It's like the character is the character, and it's like, meh, you know, she's got a great story. But I'm not, you know, creating story for her. It's not like I'm I'm making stuff up and thinking about what if I did this path or what if I did that path. No, I've done all the side quests. I've done all the quests. There's nothing undone, as it were. Another big point, I think, is if you take the stories of the character with you and you feel like you imagine the character would feel, you know, when you're playing it. This is something that comes up a lot more in role-playing games and maybe maybe with card games too. Less so with, I think, video games and even less than less for massively multiplayer online games. Because the stories in in video games tend to be pre-generated and they don't really get that in-depth in, term, uh, in terms of um, evoking emotion for the, the player. Whereas single-player games are a little bit better at that. And of course role-playing games even more so because hopefully your, your GM will tailor your experience and your play uh, as well as the other players in collaborative storytelling will sort of push the story in in ways that that make you feel stuff and you know when you're feeling stuff I, I think it really enhances the game experience and that's it's a big point of why we play the games we want to feel something we don't just play them to kill time we don't just play them to you know beat the quest we we want to feel something we don't want to experience something we want to be taken out of our our normal comfort zone as it were to some extent and get that that happy reward or get that sad feeling about oh that's a sad story you know there there have been stories and quest lines in games i've played before where it's like i, I still remember them years later and this is, a, this is a good sign to me that this was a good game or this was a good quest line. And I think about good stories and good experiences. There are two from my very far back past that I will tell you. And I don't know if it was because, because of how the players interacted with me with, with these experiences or just because I was the GM and I was the world designer. So... These are just things that stuck with me because, you know, I thought about them a lot. I don't know. Up to you. I, I will tell you the story, and then you can decide for yourself. And uh, who knows? This first one was from probably about 23 years ago, and, and that makes the rabbit sound old. Cry, cry, cry. But this was um, a fantasy game that I had created, and I had created the, the run for it, obviously, the campaign. And in in my worlds that I design, pretty much as a general rule for all worlds, dragons are very, I don't know if I'd say lazy, but, but cat-like would be a, a very good, house cat-like would be a, a very good way to describe them if they're more domestic or, you know, calm, wild, plain cat, if they're sort of not... They tend to be intelligent creatures, and they tend to just sort of want to be left alone. I mean, they just want to live their life, and they, they you know, flip over and, and sun themselves in the sun, you know, get their belly warm, and just kind of hang out at the, you know, if there's a, a lake they like, they, they just kind of hang out there. But they don't go around rampantly killing and destroying, because, I mean, these, 
for me, um, dragons are creatures that get very old. In my campaigns, they, they typically age to about 500 years. So they're going to get bored more than anything. I mean, they're not going to go out and rampantly destroy a castle. Oh, I'm bored. I'm going to destroy this castle. Wah! You know, that's that's not what they do. They just want to chill and they want to, you know, have their shiny stuff with them. And, um, you know, they're going to look for something interesting to do. So anyways, very long backstory about dragons in my world. In this part of the, the campaign, the players had been traveling from point A to point B. And they were they were still relatively low level, but they were starting to get up there. So they were moving from, you know, it was a long trek. But it was also sort of a, a I guess, psychological change in the game between going from just the early levels of kind of messing around to okay we're on our way to start doing something really important so in the middle of this road I had this encounter set up and it was a sort of watchtower it was a, a small tower that was you know sort of sort of like a, a lighthouse I guess these days for us it would have housed maybe half a dozen people at any given time and this was a, a sort of tactical tower so it had a, a resident mage at one time and a few guards at one time. But at this point in time, it was lorded over, I guess you could say, by a dragon. And the the players came up to him and, and they noticed him. And he was, you know, bored and sunning himself. He was a fairly young dragon. He was, I think, only about 50. So in terms of dragons, he was basically a baby. He was sunning himself outside of the tower because he had grown too large to stay in the tower. His backstory was that he was probably something that the mage had. The people were gone. Who knows where or why they left. But the people were gone. And so the backstory was that he basically grew up there on his own. He was probably a egg that one of the wizards had that was defending the keep and for whatever reason um, he was left unattended and he hatched and so he grew up there on his own he had all of the mage library he had all of the the knights I guess you could say the guards uh, horde there and so you know he basically started his life with a horde of treasure and he was starting to get too big to stay inside anymore when he was younger, he would go back in for shelter and, and staying there. But now he was at the point he was about, I think I put him at about 15 feet big. So he was big enough, and in my world, dragons are fairly powerful creatures. So he would have been an extremely difficult challenge for the group of three people that were playing the game. He probably would have kicked their butt silly if they were not at their top game. And they knew this, and I told them this. I said, you know, this this is a baby dragon, but he's going to be really tough for you guys to beat. And this is where players can throw you for a loop. I had planned, and I knew this, this party pretty well. I knew they were probably going to do something crazy, so I did kind of have all this backstory just in case. And the plan was that they would either challenge a dragon and, you know, barely make it out alive, and then, you know, they would have all the horde to pick from, or they would avoid it, continue on their journey, and probably be in trouble because then they would have hit, you know, exhaustion levels and they would have to fight other encounters in the woods. 
so this was sort of a a safe place in the midway so they threw me for a loop and they said okay we know how dragons are in this world we will approach him you know arms outstretched peacefully and pique his curiosity and so they did and they challenged him by saying don't eat us because you know now that he's outside the tower and he doesn't have shelter he's he's vulnerable so he has to be sure he has enough food and water and stuff don't eat us we saw some sheep back a few hours travel ago we will trade you sheep if you do not eat us and so they succeeded in that and the dragon agreed and they they kind of strung this bargaining along for uh, a week in game time and so one of the characters had bargained with him that they would do a mental challenge with him and if they won they could check out the library and so they did and they won and the dragon agreed and they got to check out the library and they they picked up a couple new spells and and they had further challenges with the dragon it became a daily thing and dragon got very into that and so they actually left with a book that they could that they could later you know look up spells or whatever and another one of them challenged him i forget how it wasn't it wasn't a puzzle challenge like the first one it was a different kind of challenge i think it was a game challenge um but he wound up winning uh i think it was a, a longsword or something uh, you know basically some kind of weapon and the third guy blew it he 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 just kept fubbing his challenges with the dragon so he basically wound up being farmer joe and he hooked up the dragon with you know some some vegetables that that he planted and he set him up with that and he went out and he basically farmed sheep he got several sheep to bring them locally because the dragon knew that the sheep were there but the problem was that he was starting to get bigger and so the sheep would just run into the local forest and the dragon being you know slightly bigger had you know harder and harder time maneuvering and getting sheep regularly so the third guy blew it and he he brought them sheep and they then hooked them up locally in a little pen for the dragon so that to me was was one experience that for whatever reason has stuck with me all these years i mean the players did something that i didn't really expect but it wound up to be a really awesome storytelling experience you know you know in the the i guess epic journey of these characters and um it just wound up being a good exchange between the players and me even though it wasn't something i expected at all and the second story i've held with me all these years um probably i would say 18ish years so this was roughly 5 years later we were in a different world that i had created and this world was sort of modern fantasy slash horror mix there were vampires and werewolves werewolves i don't think i had as a playable race i don't actually remember but where vampires were playable and zombies were playable and just basically generic magic users were playable because you know the other ones had spells of their own but they basically had i guess you could say three different distinct circles of magic you know i think werewolves were typically bad guys 
I, I don't remember if it was specifically because they were s just bad guys or that they were specifically bad guys in this case because one of the characters was a vampire and you know we have to follow the, the age-old theory that vampires and werewolves hate each other blah 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 but anyways one of the the twists for my universe in that campaign was that one of the characters was a zombie and in this particular world zombies were people you know who were undead but they weren't gross um they still had all of their you know relative cognitive and physical functions so they were just basically like regular people only you know a little bit more pale and their their bonuses as it were was that they didn't ever sleep and that was that was a positive and negative for them because you know it's not so great to not ever sleep and they didn't feel pain and at all but they also didn't feel you know not pain so their their sensory um, system was kind of messed up in general and they also regenerated um, the base level regeneration was actually pretty low but if you if you talented it up skilled it up as it were it would it would get up a little bit higher so as example one of the the more popular careers for zombies who were of higher quality I guess you could say was bounty hunter because you know that way they could get in combat they they're awesome in combat they they shoot you they get shot ha 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 I regenerate I don't feel it I don't get stunned you know we had stun and we had sort of um, disorienting conditions in my game which you know depending on which which race you were it was uh, more or less an issue but for zombies it was pretty much not an issue so one of the the players you know he was a zombie and it actually got into the game that he was running illegal zombie drugs for a gang that I had developed for the game which were called the boneheads I believe the drug was that it allowed them to get some sleep-like condition you know for people who don't ever sleep being able to genuinely rest in sleep and be at peace for a little while is it becomes a big deal but the boneheads were were a gang of zombies um, basically a, a motorcycle slash drug gang but what they would do is because they they didn't feel any pain and you know they're undead so they're not they're not gonna become more dead as it were until they're you know finally dead but they would take pieces of their flesh and, and this is gonna get little grosser than my regular content level but they would take pieces of their their flesh typically their their top of their head and they would remove the flesh there so that just the bone was exposed and then they would sort of magically fix it in that location so that the skin would not regenerate and then they would they would decorate the bone with um, special bone tattoos or magical markings and so they had this this sort of theme you know other other would do different parts and um the character in the game thought that that was such an amazingly cool idea that he was he was working his way towards deeper levels of the gang and and secretly becoming uh, 
a higher and higher level member of the gang. So I thought that was that was very cool that the the player thought that the NPC group that I had designed was so cool. He wanted to he wanted to join them. And those of you that are doing pen and paper gaming, if you if you want to take any of these ideas from me, you know, feel free. I mean, they're they're generic ideas enough. You know, sure they're they're specific. Like the boneheads are pretty specific, and the the philosophy on the dragons, you know, being sort of lazy, intelligent creatures and living intellectual challenges are are more me than not. But you know, I mean, the ideas are out there, so you know, I don't own any rights to them per se. Go ahead and use them if you want. And if not, uh, I guess it's just an amazing story that, that looks like it's it's the length of a whole normal podcast already. So, bonus deal for you guys. Death awaits you all with nasty, big, pointy teeth. The other day, somebody in guild chat was saying that they were talking about another game that that they don't play, and how that game had added a quest line. I don't. It was specifically for some kind of underwater content that had you know a specific kind of mount and a specific quest line that it followed. And he's like, "I don't want that in my game." And it's like, you know, you don't have total control over any game really you know that's a a video game be it single player or online game but I don't know if barring an entire game and saying oh I hate that just because you know one quest line or a particular style I mean that that game is known for being a little bit a little bit more casual in terms of uh, seriousness you know more casual than serious and it, it has funny things and it has funny moments and it's it's really fun to play, and it, because of those silly things, you know, it's a little bit more relaxed. It's not quite uh, hardcore. It doesn't take itself too seriously, and I can agree with, you know, the guy not wanting to play a game like that. You know, some, some people don't like that, but I don't know if having a 100% serious game that, you know, doesn't make jokes and, and is, you know, a hardcore, as it were, all the time is is really fun for me. I mean, I can see how some people would like it. Absolutely, the sim games of the 80s and, uh, you know, hardcore strategy games that you don't really see these days anymore, they took a much more serious approach to things. And, uh, you know, like I said, we don't see them very much anymore, and there's probably a, a good reason for that. People like to have a little bit of fun with things. I just don't understand banning an entire game because of its style. I mean, it, granted, you're only going to play the games that match your style and interests, and you wouldn't. You wouldn't want to play them if they don't. But banning a game for one particular thing I think might be silly to say. Um, because a lot of games have a lot of really great qualities and really, you know, re- a lot of great features. Like there was this one game a while ago that, that didn't make it too big because it, it was five to eight hours of playtime and then you were done. It, it was a single playthrough, it was a, a first person shooter game. But it had some of the most amazingly written story and coolest ideas in a game I'd played in quite a long time. It was called Prey, and it was about uh, an Indian descendant. He was, I think he was full Indian. But the idea was that him, aliens had come to the planet, and you were their prey. And 
he was sort of trying to find his girlfriend and his quest you know along the way he got helped by his his spirit of his grandfather and it took him onto these you know basically a, a several aspects of Indian legend about what they think about spirits and spirit walking and you could leave your body in certain points and go you know complete puzzles and then come back to your body and then your body could progress and it had a lot of really interesting ideas oh and when you died you had to uh, fight your way out of the the dead realm I'm not sure what the Indians call it but you know if, if people ban it just because they had heard it was only five to eight hours of playthrough you're going to miss a really great experience and a really great story. And the the design from a, a technical standpoint was really flawless. I mean, it it ran really well on my system. I don't know if I had a, a higher-end system at the time, but the sound was amazing, even to this day. And this came out, God, I don't know, maybe, uh, I'd guess, 8 to 10 years ago. The sound, if you had a Creative Labs card, was just incredible. And if you didn't have a, a Creative Labs sound card, it still used Dolby. So it was still at the higher end of, of really good quality sound and and graphical quality. So, you know, if, if you ban a game for any one thing, you know, oh, it didn't get very good reviews and it's got short play time, so I'm not going to play it. You know, you're missing out on a great experience. So I don't know if passing on an entire game you know, because this this one thing bothers you is is a good idea. I mean, granted, I have to admit I have not played Crisis or Crisis Two because of that same thing. I I heard Crisis had a playthrough of of ten or so hours, and then you were done. And it wasn't very replayable. So, granted, I am I am uh, at fault there for for my own ramblings of of doing what I said not to do. But you know, I I don't have a lot of money right now, even though it's fairly cheap. But it's it's like. I hear it's a great game. I hear it's a great story. If I had um, spare money and I didn't have other games that were higher in the queue that I wanted to play, I would absolutely play it. I wouldn't ban it forever just because I heard it was a short playthrough. And um, I think you, I think you need to be open to things. Don't be so rigid in thinking that my game must have or not have X in order to be, you know, something I'm going to play. With a role-playing game, absolutely, absolutely do that. You know, find find a match for, you know, pen and paper role-playing. Find a match for players who fit your style, a GM that fits your style, or GM in, in that style if you're the GM. Because you can talk to the people. You can say, you know, look, I don't, I don't quite like this aspect. Can we change it? Or can we not use this type of material? Or can we use this other material that might not have been discussed before? And you can absolutely tailor it exactly to your experience. And I highly recommend you do that if you are in a, a pen and paper role-playing game it will it will make everything better for everybody i think and and maybe introduce other players to things they they hadn't thought of that they might enjoy but in terms of video games i think you shouldn't discount anything just because it's a particular thing like you hear a lot of people saying oh i don't want to play that because it looks like an asian game and it's like well, okay so y you don't like the art style that doesn't mean you're gonna hate the game because you hate the art style Granted, there are games that I don't like the movement style of. Like, Turbine has, I guess you could call it a puppet style movement. Characters tend to do what I call sliding around a lot. So it's really, really difficult for me to get past the, the way that the animations are. But I'm not going to, you know, ban all Turbine games for the rest of eternity just because I don't like the animation style. 
you know, I'm going to give the game a look, and if there's a trial, I'll give the game a free trial and check it out and see. I'm not going to bar it forever because I don't like that one thing. Captain's Log Supplemental. So that brings us to the end of another podcast. The only thing I can I can think about to talk about now before uh, closing out the podcast is that I'm looking forward to new games in the future, um, online games that um, allow you to talk to your, your guildies in guild chat through your phone. There's a couple that are doing it now, uh, or will do it soon. And um, like tonight, I was I was trying to play tonight and the bandwidth just was intolerable and I couldn't I couldn't get through on uh, on the game through uh, through work like I normally play through work, and um, I was I was gonna send them a message and say hey I'm I'm stuck patching it's gonna be an hour, but I I, I didn't have the bandwidth to do it and I was um, trying to tell them on vent and it it just couldn't talk so you know something like that would be nice and I think connectivity in games is important now and it will be even more important as we go into the future with online games and um developers i i think should pay attention to that because the biggest thing i think that keeps players playing online games for long long periods of time is the connectivity with their friends and being able to do you know different adventures with their friends if they're different levels and they can't they can't group properly then um it's no good like now with the the game I'm playing now, it's it's level specific. So if you want to go with your friends and say you're level 50 and your friend is level 40, yeah, you can do that, but you're going to be bored to tears because the content is either going to be too high for your friend to come in and he's going to get, you know, obliterated every other second or you're going to do something appropriate for his level and uh his or her and um you know, it'll be lower level and, and it'll be pretty boring for you. I think that the games in the future that are coming out that will allow you to do what um, City of X uh, has, which is, you know, um, sidekicking in, I forget their other term, but you, you can go up in levels or you can go down in levels and match to the content of whichever player you, you want. And I think that's going to be really important in the future. And I think online games that ignore that kind of feature are um, going to be hurting themselves because more and more games need content and a lot of them are coming out short on content and something like that really helps you to extend the content because then you can play with your friends and even though you're redoing it over and over you don't mind so much because you're with friends and I think that's really a key factor in online games is that it's not so much that the content is new and fresh every time but if it's going to be limited in, in the amount of content, you have to be able to do it with your friends. And doing it with your friends, you know, it, it, it's not so bad if it's somewhat repetitive. And that's, uh, that's my closing thought, I guess. Ahoy there, and welcome to the treasure chest. We gather to thank those who surrendered booty to the rabbit. I'm sure we can all agree we love a little booty now and then. <laughs> the following be all the rapscallions that donated their booty. This time there be a donation of armor for the phone. What does a phone need armor for?
Is it going to fight with other phones? Aye. The phone be in combat when it drops to the floor. Hopefully this armor will protect it from future drops as it has already seen some combat and has a small crack in the glass. So that's it for this time's podcast. I'm still having a good time, though I'm still primarily talking to an invisible audience. There don't seem to be a whole lot of people talking to me. Uh, Certainly no emails, really. Uh, Pretty much the only people I'm talking to are guildies. And uh, so if you guys want to Want to talk to me? Go ahead and talk on the Facebook page or send me emails. And uh, that's it for this time. Uh, Hopefully see you next time. Okay, thanks. Bye. So hungry. Jeez. <laughs> and um, I don't know. I'm, I'm rambling. So that's it for this week's or this time's pot. You have been listening to Rabbit's Ramblings. If you would like to see the show notes or feed the bunny by sending a donation, you can find the show website at www.rabbit.com slash podcast slash rabbitsramblings.html. When you type Rabbit's Ramblings, don't use a space. If you would like to send me an email, you can do so at rabbit at rabbit.com. If you friend me, you can also post on Facebook at rabbit.com. Whenever you type rabbit in any of those, be sure to, to put a one in place of I. Rabbit's Rambling is copyright 2011 and is released under a Creative Commons Attribute Sharealike license.